From Content360, this is the state of client acquisition. Welcome to the state of client acquisition. This is your host, Michael Bohannes. In today's episode, we cover a variety of topics. For example, when is the right time to stop doing outbound prospecting on LinkedIn? When do you know it doesn't work? We also cover how you can identify and target people who want to leave their job and start their own business. It's not like you can see it in their profile that they want to do it. It's inside their heads. And then we cover how to deal with conflicting advice on how to do LinkedIn content, whether you should join a pod, and we discuss the dangers of having a big ego on LinkedIn. So I hope you enjoy it. And with that, let's get right into this week's episode. How is your business uh, doing in terms of on the on the LinkedIn side? Have you been successful with it? Yeah, a little slow lately. That's um, but but it's really my own fault. I mean, I I used to be very disciplined, and I would wake up every morning at about five o'clock, just before five, and I would start my you know I'd spend an hour just reaching out to people and connecting. Mm. And we got some puppies and a whole bunch of other things going on. I like have babies now, so. If I wake up at five in the morning, they want to play with me. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. my own fault, but, but you can see it in the, uh, in the revenue. I also would say just as an uh, observation, I think it's getting harder uh, because I think the, the number of people playing in the pool now is greater. And I think they're messy and, you know, they're like camels pissing in the well. I mean, it, it's, mm. you have to be more creative and more genuine in your outreach because we're all getting inundated with so much so much bs on linkedin now it's really really quite difficult um i I think it's more difficult uh to gain trust and get that get that call scheduled have you have you done any content recently i when i not do i don't do a lot of uh personal content i do pay somebody to post for me four or five times a week I don't know. It's not, it's cheap and, and it doesn't take me a lot of time, but, yeah. but you know, I'm running another business. I got all those consultants too, that I'm, yeah. I'm working with like reader. You got Mike reader now, I think. Right. Yeah. I don't know if Jonathan paces with you. Um, no. So no, I mean, but I mean, I think that's uh, the other side of this thing is I do have a limited bandwidth for the consulting, mm-hmm. uh, but it is, you know, like I said, it's uh, um, you know, it, it, it does work. I know it works. I know I should do original content. I have a lot to offer. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, it's, I'm getting pulled in so many directions. It's quite, uh, it's, it's difficult. No one but myself to blame. So I don't. I yeah. Don't. Yeah. No, I get that. But I mean, to your previous point, I do think it, it makes a difference uh, with regards to getting trust. You know, if people have seen your content many times and then you actually reach out to them, Uh, there's many different methods right of course yeah you can be very personable in your outreach you know very genuine very open and so on but then also at the same time if you connect with them then just send them a friendly welcome message and that's it and then you just let it simmer for a couple of months uh, or maybe a couple of weeks let's not go that that crazy but they see a couple of times you know your content and and then doing the outreach I think that makes a big really big difference especially if they're like perfectly on your target I couldn't agree with you more that that's the piece that's missing um because I'm not trying to sell them anything in those initial um, mm-hmm. those initial outreaches. That's not my. That's yeah. never worked for me, and and it doesn't work to people who reach out to me. You know, yeah. if I get that ten page uh, uh, LinkedIn uh, DM uh, trying to sell me with the connection and all that, I, I I don't do it. So so I think that's you're you're 100 right, Michael. Yeah. That's, 
exactly what it what it is is uh, okay. I need to build that cred that street cred through my content and mm -hmm. my content is, that I send out is interesting and but I don't think it's yeah no especially I mean I think uh, that is something that I think probably all LinkedIn gurus agree on and that's not much that they agree on but that one thing is like <laughs> not outsource do not outsource your content it just it will never work it's never going to sound like you no matter how good they claim they are it's just not going to work so. it doesn't i mean it, it isn't me and oh. and i i don't like those those quotes you know i get I get more likes on those i'll get 500 views on those but and on the uh, when i do an article maybe 50 people will read it yeah yeah <laughs> no articles are definitely no okay but it's the algorithm it's how they're it's it's how they're counting you, mm. you know they, they the guy looks at it for 10 seconds and, the, and it counts as a view whereas yeah they look at a video i think there's much more stringent uh, rules so. no no actually on video it's three seconds continuous yeah. watching and a view i think on on normal content is just when it passes the the news feed so you just have to have seen it and it just whizzes past you and that's a view so good. that's, that's good to know <laughs> cool. all right carl so is there anything i can help you with today not really just called to say hi. I mean, I, I thought there'd be a lot of people on, a lot of questions and some Not yet. questions and stuff. And am I early or is it just- No, 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 no. It's just, it's early stages. And uh, I I have not uh, kind of gotten that kind of large audience yet, but you feel free to be perfectly in the background. Feel free to zoom out at some point yeah, no, if it's I, not interesting. There is, there is one thing that, that you could help me with is, okay. is as I think about it. Um, I understand, I don't understand your business, but but- conceptually, you're targeting a, a pretty specific person on LinkedIn. Uh, so, you know, I, I've listened to your, your talk. My client, the person I'm uh, contacting is, I think, very difficult to identify. So, you know, I don't know what help you can give on, on how uh, to identify uh, people on LinkedIn, because not only does my person, I, I can identify the companies they work for, the level they are at those companies, mm -hmm. um, the departments within those companies, I don't want to work with, uh, like human resources and. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know, but but I is I don't know if there's a way to identify somebody who is interested in becoming an entrepreneur because that's really who I'm looking for. I'm looking mm. for somebody who is qualified financially and from a background, but may want to own their own business. And that's mm -hmm. I think a hard. I don't know what on LinkedIn could identify that, and I don't. I, honestly, I'm not an idiot. I don't think there's a way to do it. <laughs> you know, it's just a numbers game. So, so here's the thing. There are two ways how you can find people on LinkedIn. One is demographic. The other one is behavioral. Demographic is when you go via, via LinkedIn sales navigator, where you can, you know, filter as you know, right? You just filter by positions and so on. However, behavioral is the thing that is in people's heads. What are they interested in? Mm -hmm. And they are voting on what they're interested in via their engagement on other people's content. So I think what, is, what would be worthwhile for you to do, and this is actually something that you could outsource to a junior person to log into your account as you, although it's officially not recommended by LinkedIn, but that's just what it is. Uh, and then identifying, and this was probably the initial strategy work you would need to do, identify what kind of influencers these people are following. Is it, I don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk? Is it Richard Branson? Is it somebody of those kind of relatively big influencers and also mid-size? Cuban. 
Mark Cuban, maybe, <laughs> right? But who are they? And I think this is about among your existing customers who fit that bill, who used to be, before you were an entrepreneur, ask them, ask them before they were an entrepreneur, what kind of, whose motivational content, whose content on LinkedIn were you interested in that spoke about starting a business and so on, that kind of reflected your wish to start a business. And then once you know that, you identify two, three, four influences like this. Then you look at their content and you look at who liked that content. And if these people look like that they are corporate, right? If it says copywriter and so on, then of course, that's probably not your target audience. But if they say VP of sales, something, you know, you always see it in the first line of their headline, mm -hmm. VP of sales, something, you know, or whatever they are, then you just open them in a new tab and send them an invitation connection saying, uh, hey, name, I see we're both fans of Gary Vaynerchuk and his content would be great to connect on here. This line has given me a 75% uh, accept rate because, why? Because I'm connecting with them over something that they're passionate about, not over something that whether they just tick a few demographic boxes. That's so key. Right? People are way more passionate about their content rather than about their position in a company or their corporate position, whatever, right? How do you say, okay, all you know about them is that they're an HR director. What are you going to say to them? Oh, I see you're an HR director. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do that? <laughs> well, but, I dig deep. I dig deep. I try hard, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, it's difficult to get uh, on this level when that's all you know about them and a couple of things that is on their profile much more difficult to engage than when you can talk about the recent post that Gary Vaynerchuk put out. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. I mean, I, I, that's, uh, that, that's well, I think, a missing piece to it. Because um, if I cross, because what I do is I reach out to people who whose companies are being bought and sold, because that creates a disturbance that mm. people reflect and they say, hey, maybe I want to own a business now because I'm tired of, this is the third company in, in five years that, I, that has been purchased and I've been canned. And uh, that's how that's the motivation that I've been looking at is that negative uh, motivation. But what you're saying is a much more positive approach to it. I can because I can go through all the people that I've worked with and who have bought franchises and I can look at their profiles and I can look for common denominators. Mm. And I can do that on a global level because I have 24 consultants mm -hmm. and they have all, they all do deals and they're I know their clients. And, mm. and so I that's a brilliant, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, this has worked. This has worked really well for me. It is, of course, labor intensive, but you can outsource it. So yeah, I can. I got my daughter. She's a. Uh, oh. my daughter. <laughs> one of one of your thirteen children. One of my thirteen children. Which is something I spot. I don't know who it was. Somebody who you referred to me who then didn't become a client. Gino, probably. Gino. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Gino. <laughs> and he said, he said, I just don't believe that he has thirteen children. <laughs> I just don't believe him. I think he's making this up. <laughs> so we are, we had one baby seven months ago, as I told you probably, and uh, it's been quite a handful. So we always, uh, my wife and I, we talk about you sometimes like, you know, Carl Morningstar and his wife, they managed through 13. So, you know, so. Well, well, the trick is uh, one child is fine. Two children are great because you can play man to man defense, but yeah, yeah. three, you got to play a zone. There, and, and it's hard. It's much harder. You know, basketball. I don't get that football reference. Can you it's basketball? Uh, oh, basketball. Man to man defense and basketball. Uh -huh. The zone defense is a different thing. It's it's hard when you get three because okay. you, can't give, 
you know, it's like, I got to go to work. Here are three children. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Take this one with you. That doesn't help. There's still two at home. So exactly. I, so. You're gonna do great though. Uh, you're gonna do great. I, I love the early pictures of, you know, the the I don't know if it was a bassinet or whatever. The you know, the baby in the office. The baby in the <laughs> that office. was my advice to you. I think is exactly. getting now he's now he's crawling in the office. So I have to just watch. I have to make sure that I sit still and I never move the chair. So in case his fingers come into. That was my advice. My advice was do a, get a lot more clients so you can hire a full time nanny. <laughs> exactly. Of, and then it will grow exponential growth at that point, right? Because exactly, we're not there yet. No, cool. Wait. Okay. So thank you, Carl. If there's no other question from you, uh, Arnaud, I saw you join. If you have a question, just pop it in the in the chat section if you want to, or just come on and ask your question. In the meantime, I have a few questions that were submitted beforehand, so I'm going to go through them. And um, yeah, Carl, Arnaud, whenever you feel like if it's not interesting anymore, then feel free to. To, to leave, not a problem at all, no hard feelings. Good, okie doke. So I wanted to cover, wait, where is this question? Yeah, so the first thing that I wanted to cover comes actually from a friend who I had a bit of an argument with recently and he's running a B2B company and he says that he gave outbound, LinkedIn outbound a try and he hasn't seen any results. And he had one of his marketing managers do the outreach on his behalf. And a couple of conversations happened here and there, but no clients. And so my thoughts on this are, first of all, the fact that his marketing manager was doing this and not himself is a tricky proposition. First of all, you probably should, rather than a marketing manager, probably aim at somebody who has sales experience, somebody has prospecting experience. So that's one thing. And the fact that it's a it's a person who is now doing something, um, who is doing something that they have not done before, of course, makes it all the more difficult. Especially given that you, the 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 CEO in this case, has not done it either, and so that is really problematic because it adds another layer of complexity. You cannot properly teach them if that person kind of gets stuck, what are you going to tell them? So I think my advice here would be to get a good coach. And this is not, I mean, not self-serving. You can join with me, but you could work with anyone, but somebody who's really good at outbound prospecting and then consistently would work with that marketing manager to acquire those skills. So without that, it would be quite hard. And then on the topic on whether you should stop doing outbound on LinkedIn, I think the only time when it's worth giving up on LinkedIn is when you realize that neither your decision makers nor their direct prospects and their, sorry, direct reports and their direct reports are active on LinkedIn. And I think really think as, as long as either one of these groups are active, are present, you see them posting occasionally, maybe uh, commenting, liking, and so on. As long as one of those groups are active, they are there and they're humans. So it's only about if you find the right approach, the right tactic to win them over um, and, and just talk to them and get them on the phone. So I don't, don't think that there are a couple of niches where LinkedIn is probably not all that useful, right? I think that, for example, especially in things like heavy engineering on anything very, very obscure, uh, some obscure industries are probably not on LinkedIn. That's fine. You will, you will know this best. In his case, this was real estate. So there's enough people who are active in the real estate niche. I think it would not be worthwhile to, to give up on this. But especially if it's if it's somebody else doing, not the CEO, definitely you should get somebody who has done this before. Uh, 
Cool. Next question was, should I remove LinkedIn connections who aren't in my target audience? Now, that is a tricky subject. I'm a little bit in two minds on this because there's good arguments to be made for either case. And I'll tell you which one weighs more for me. So the pro case, the kind of, you yes, you should remove some uh, your connections who are not relevant for you is uh, that of course the audience will get more relevant, right? So you will have fewer people, but those who are in your target market are going to be more likely to be engaging with you. And the counter argument is that people's careers change. Somebody who has been uh, whatever, a banking, you know, person in banking or, or have any other typical corporate career, they could turn around and the next day they could become something else that they are then in, more in your target market. That is absolutely a possibility. And also, because I speak from personal experience, there's once that I got a referral from someone who would have been absolutely on the culling list for me. She would have been this classical corporate person who I would definitely had removed. I barely knew her. And she then actually referred her husband to me, who's an entrepreneur. And so just from this, I'm very wary of removing anyone who does not appear like they could be a good target client for me because the, the kind of the love can come from anywhere. So I would say a good middle ground for you to take is that from now on, now that you kind of are in this space, you're doing LinkedIn very consciously. And I, I mean, I was on LinkedIn for 14 years. So I was gathering up all kinds of connections, whatever, from my MBA, from anyone while I was working at Google and so on, anybody who just came around and was very corporate. Now I work with small uh, coaches, consultants, and small B2B. So they, are, of course, corporate people are not all that relevant. I still don't remove them generally because of this effect, because of the person who referred me, her husband. Cool. So that would be the topic of removing your LinkedIn connections. Now, yeah, the next topic, I had a, a conversation with someone who passionately defended the idea of being in a pod. So in case you don't know, a pod is one of those groups on LinkedIn that gives you fake engagement. You join the group and they then engage with your content, they comment on it, they like it and so on. And then you uh, do the same for them. And uh, this guy, let's, let's call him charitable, let's call him John. He, he said that fake engagement is much better than getting zero likes on a post. That's what I meant to say. And to me, that question is really one of fundamental philosophy. It is kind of the same as asking, well, if I can get more attention by spending 30,000 on plastic surgery, why wouldn't I do it? Or if I can get more clients by posing with a rented Ferrari and getting a mansion on Airbnb for two grand a night, why shouldn't I do it? So that is kind of the question for me, whether you should actually join one of those pods. And if you are willing to do these kinds of things to just quickly get ahead, then probably you are the right person for a pod. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm judging a little bit probably, but I just, I'm not somebody who would, who would do that. But if you feel that this, and there are reputable people, I think I've heard Shay Robottom actually say that she recommends to going into a pod. So there are people who, for whom this is the right path. I would, I would not be hundred percent certain. The, the only time when I could imagine joining a pod and I've done it, I've tried with one post of mine where I joined a pod and this was quite a special case. And I would like to tell you about that because this is the one area where I think I could reconcile it with my kind of character, with my, my predisposition that I could do it. So first of all, uh, it has to be four conditions met. First of all, the people in the pod 
are exactly your target audience. And that is going to be rare because people in pods tend to be generally small B2B solopreneurs, but they are exactly my target audience. In that case, because LinkedIn will then algorithmically serve the content that they engaged with, they will serve the content to similar people. And so that's good, right? So that is one thing. If the people are the same, if the people who are engaging with your content are the typical, you know, the solopreneurs, the coaches, consultants, and so on, and your target audience is corporate, then it just messes up the algorithm. You will have someone who is absolutely outside of your target market engaging with your content. That just makes the real target audience just confused. You know, why are so many small small, you know, B2B companies, coaches, consultants commenting on this. So that was the one thing that uh, kind of, that needs to be fulfilled. The one condition needs to be fulfilled. So second condition, the people in the pod are rotating. It's not always the same 15, 20 people like usually, because otherwise it just becomes really obvious. And also I could very much, I would be pretty certain that the LinkedIn algorithm is smart enough in figuring this out and in then deprioritizing the, the, that kind of engagement, those, those posts. Um, third condition would be that the people in the pod are required by the pod master to actually post substantial comments. There's nothing more embarrassing that those comments in a pod post where they say, great post, so much value, you're amazing, right? It's <laughs> pretty embarrassing these days. And now there's more and more people who see through this. So I strongly recommend that this is part of the requirements. And I see pods emerging now where this is a requirement. As I was in one of these pods still, the, the comments tended to just be wordier, but essentially they were the same. They were like, Michael, you add so much value in your posts. I just can hardly believe it. You know, which is essentially the same as saying great post, but it's just not very, um, you know, it doesn't really add to the discussion. And Fourth condition, I would say, is you're doing this as an interim measure and you're tracking what gets you above average engagement with the ultimate goal of leaving the pod, right? As soon as you are at a certain level, you will then leave the pod because your organic engagement will then be as good as the pods and then you can leave. And so if those four conditions are met, I'm quickly going to repeat them. First of all, uh, the people in the pod are exactly your target audience. They are rotating. It's not always the same ones. Uh, the people in the pod are required to post quality comments, something that adds value, and you're doing it as an interim measure, then I could imagine that being in a pod would be something that I could envisage doing. And I did exactly that. I was in one of those pods for one post. I did that before Christmas once. And it was kind of okay. But it was, it was a real pain for me to engage on people's posts that I did not find interesting. Very often it was somebody who was doing something very obscure, some kind of uh, insurance calculation modeling and so on. And they posted something and I needed to engage on that, needed to place a meaningful comment. Like, what the hell am I going to say about this? I don't understand any of what, what this guy is saying. And so from this point of view, it was also just disingenuous. What if then someone comes to my profile and sees my comment and see talk, somebody talking about an insurance actuary table calculation, you know, I just, what the hell? So it's just weird, you know, but that's why I didn't stay with it because of this requirement, because if people engage on yours, you need to engage on theirs. So you need to spend two hours every time you do this, you need to spend two hours engaging on everyone else's post who engages on yours. And it's just, it's a drag.
you know, sorry, I have better things to do. And I think those two hours are much better invested if you actually spend time on understanding your target audience, really know what they want. And this is, by the way, the number one recipe for good content. This is also one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. I get questions from relevant people in my target audience, and I know what concerns them, right? The fact that, Carl, that you asked, for example, about this, how you can find people who don't, are, who don't give you demographic signals, you know, that is an important information for me because I know this is what my target audience cares about. And this is time much better spent, even if we have initially very few people on the podcast, not a problem at all. I'm showing up no matter what. These are people who submitted their questions beforehand, and I'm going to answer them as if I had an audience of 200, 2000 people. I don't care at all. This is for me market research, and I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy the fact that I can then send somebody a clip to, hey, I answered your question here. It's at 10 minutes 25, right? That's great for me. I love that. And I'm going to keep doing this. Okay. So, so think about all of this. Think about all the baggage that comes along when you join a pod. But if you are, I would say, ruthless and flexible enough that this pod thing actually works for you, then give it a try. That's fine. I'm not going to judge you. Cool. And then wait, uh, Arnaud, you wrote something. What did you write? I need to leave soon. Okay, no problem at all, Arnaud. Good to have you. Hope you're getting some uh, valuable information out of this. Good. Next question that came, and this is the penultimate question. Uh, yeah, somebody mentioned to me how it is annoying that they get so much diverging advice from people on LinkedIn, the kind of the LinkedIn gurus. One says you should post once a week with an elaborate video. Another one tells you you should post three times a day. You're going to get more and more views. And then somebody says you should post only professional content. Then the next person says you should let your whole personality shine and post vulnerable things about how in your childhood there was some trauma that you sustained and so on. All these kind of very diverging opinions. And the great thing about LinkedIn is that all of them are right because they figured out a way. So what I would invite you to do is not to despair at the fact that you're getting diverging information. I would invite you to simply pick someone's path who you like, who you think is doing a great job, and simply emulate them. I'm not saying copy them, but emulate what they are doing. Do give it your own flavor. And yes, it, you need to inject a little bit of personality into it. You cannot just be talking about your field purely, you know, in a very boring way. So give it a little bit of flavor and your person, your personal touch. But the fact that there are so many different models that you can do. The other day we just saw someone, I think, yeah, it was Jonathan Palmer. He posts once a week, a very, very well edited, well-crafted video. And the text that he posts with it has nothing to do with the video. It's very strange. I've never seen anything like that. That's his model. You know, it works for him pretty well. He's maybe experimenting. Maybe that was just one post. Now oh, I've seen several posts like this actually. So that is his thing. And he has tons of views. That's great. That's his model. He, he has developed it. Great. If you copy it right away and then don't innovate on it, then I don't know if it's going to work, but it's definitely going to be better if you try that than if you stubbornly refuse to look at what other people are doing who have been successful. If you keep posting articles, links to articles, and you're going to be linking outside of LinkedIn. If you keep 
sharing other people's content, if you share articles with your take on them, if you just ask a question, something like, oh, what is the government now going to do with uh, whatever, the, the tax breaks uh, ending and so on, nobody's gonna engage. This, these are not things that, that people get excited about. So filter out from those LinkedIn professionals who are really good at this, filter out what is the common advice? What is the stuff that all of them advise and then figure out your own way. The other day I saw someone who says that he swears by just making sure that in his text post, he posts a, like a, a number in the first line, whatever, 50 out of 200 people say blah, 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 or something similar, a, a percentage, you know, or something, uh, we, we improve this company's SEO rankings by whatever, 4X, whatever it is. He swears by posting a number and that's great. Okay, that, that works for him and he's consistent with it, he does it. If you figure out your own recipe, then it's going to work. And that's the beauty of LinkedIn. So don't despair about this fact that you get diverging advice, all of it works. And you just need to follow a couple of very basic rules. Cool. And um, that was the, yeah. And the last, it's not really a question, it's a topic that <laughs> I, I had with somebody who I was chatting with on LinkedIn who was upset about the fact that one person who they wanted to work with, so let's call him James, James wanted to work with one person and he said that this other person only gave them access to their junior salesperson. It's like, no, I wanted to talk to the main guy. And I think this and this person, James, he is very let's say he's not very successful on LinkedIn. He is not doing any, any prospecting and his content when he posts it, which is like once a month is usually relatively poor and doesn't get any engagement. And so I thought there's really such a danger in having a big ego on LinkedIn because he stubbornly refused to go on a call with a junior salesperson. He thought that he's so important in his industry and that he deserves that to speak to the CEO directly. And I thought this is so interesting because LinkedIn is like its, its own little world where your relative status in the real world sometimes translates into LinkedIn status, but not always. And very often it does not. So this guy, although he told me that he's such a big shot in the real world, on LinkedIn, he's not worth much, let's say as can be seen by the number of followers he has, the, the, the number of, um, you know, the regularity of his content and the engagement on it. And because there's this divergence, he thought that he's this big shot who deserves to speak to the CEO. And the CEO said, well, no, not really. I have my process. I have my stable process. This is how I treat everyone. And you're going to speak to the junior salesperson. And if you don't want that, then that's fine. You're probably then not someone who we want to have in kind of on our list of clients. And I thought this was so interesting that this, these worlds are so separate that the, the status that you have in the real world sometimes does not translate into the LinkedIn world. And having this kind of big ego will prevent you from being successful because I do believe that James would have benefited greatly of working with um, one of my competitors. I think he would have also benefited working with me, but he was interested in that competitor. <laughs> I'm just definitely not going to be uh, requesting James's business because I think with this kind of attitude, I don't think he would be a great fit. Cool. 
So if there's no other questions, we will wrap it up a little earlier today. Thank you very much for everyone who submitted questions. Carl, good to, good to see you. Anything, anything else that's on your mind? I was just going to say your last comment, you know, it also goes the other way. There are big shots on LinkedIn who are nobodies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I really, and I repeat this regularly. I see so many people who are, have insane engagement and I actually speak to quite a few of them on a regular basis. And I ask them, Hey, how much business have you gotten from LinkedIn? And when we get a good rapport, they actually say, honestly, nothing. <laughs> But I feel really good about myself. Exactly. And this is this, this taking of the false currency of likes and comments. It really it's is. just, it really is a false currency. And, but I mean, if this is something that you want for yourself, if you want to build yourself a name as a content person on, that's fine. Who am I to judge? But as you correctly say, it goes both ways. It does not translate into the other world necessarily. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate awesome. It. Great to see you, Carl. Bye everyone. Bye -bye. I'll be on them all. I love it. Love it. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Mike. The State of Client Acquisition is a Content360 production. Music by Gavin Knox Grand. To sign up for alerts and to submit written and audio questions, go to stateofclientacquisition.com. Unless I announce it otherwise, the live podcast is recorded on Wednesdays each week at 7 p.m. Central European time. That's 6 p.m. UK time, 1 p.m. Eastern and 10 a.m. Pacific. You can always join by going to www.talktomichael.com. That's Michael without an E. But if you sign up at the podcast page, you'll get the link in an email each week. I'll talk to you in the next episode. <laughs>